I'm Mickey Edwards with Edwards Cattle in Lampasas, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. So glad to have you along for another edition of Texas Ag Today. So jump on in with me. Buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, cotton harvest is picking up, not only here in South Texas, but also in a few other states in the cotton belt. We'll check out that story coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. We haven't had an outbreak of foot and mouth disease in our country for a long, long time. But livestock producers will benefit if they have a good plan in place for dealing with an outbreak, should one ever occur here again. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. The mid to late August rainfall in West Texas did not do much for the cotton crop in the region, but the precipitation could be very beneficial for winter wheat planting. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that report on Texas Ag Today. This is Jim Hearn in the Rio Grande Valley. Extreme South Texas continues its cotton harvest and almost time now for citrus harvest. We'll have those stories and more in today's report. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Cotton harvest has been underway here in Texas for several weeks now, but of course we are the first in the nation to start a harvest down in the Rio Grande Valley and the coastal bend. But the harvest pace is now picking up in a few other states, according to USDA's Brad Rippey. 8% of the cotton has been harvested by September 11th, equal to the five-year average, twice the pace of last year when just 4% was harvested by September 11th. Three states accounting for that. Of course, Texas with the earlier harvest and earlier maturation in the deep south and in the coastal bend coming in with 17% of the cotton harvested, three points ahead of the five-year average, 2% harvested this week in Louisiana, and 1% coming in in South Carolina. The other 12 reporting states, no harvest to report yet. George Guzman is an agronomist for LG Seeds here in Texas. He works a territory from the valley up through central Texas, and he says harvest results from the cotton crop in his area just all depended on where the rain fell. I think in the areas where they had some timely showers, uh, the bells were, you know, average. And I've heard they had anywhere from on dry land to one bell up to irrigated uh, ground up to four bells. So it, it's all over the board, uh, depending on where you're at. There are some areas that got some timely showers and some didn't. So, you know, it reflects on, on the yields. Guzman says it's the same story for the corn crop in his territory. It had a tough year. Yes, it did, especially in the areas around the uh, Corpus, Victoria area, also around the Austin area. They didn't get any rains at all. Um, that really 
give me help at all. If you compare some of the yield data to the Dallas area in the Rio Grande Valley, of course, some of those areas are irrigated, but even in dry land, it seems like they got some tiny showers in April and May, which really helped out the yields. So, but basically throughout the whole state, I think yields were down anywhere from 15 to 20 percent compared to other years. And Guzman says it was the same story for sorghum throughout his territory in Texas. USDA released its latest supply and demand report on Monday, and it showed that Texas upland cotton production is now forecast at 3.2 million bales this year. That's 58% lower than 2021. Yield is expected to average 614 pounds per acre compared with 666 pounds last year. And harvested acreage now pegged at 2.5 million acres. That's down 55% from a year ago. We haven't had an outbreak of foot and mouth disease in the U.S. for a very long time. But James Hunt tells us livestock producers will benefit if they have a plan in place to deal with it if an outbreak does occur. It's been nearly a century since the last time there was an outbreak of foot and mouth disease in our country. A phenomenal track record made possible by the vigilance of many people in and around the livestock industry. But the threat is still there. When I start thinking about foot and mouth disease, in all honesty, I think about it as not an if, but a when. I think just the way the world travels, I think the possibility of introduction is significant. That's Dr. Wesley Bissett, director of the Texas A&M Veterinary Emergency Team. Should FMD ever pop up again in the U.S., Dr. Bissett says producers will benefit if they already have a good plan in place for how to maintain their operations during a time when movement of livestock will become severely restricted in order to limit spread of the disease. Dr. Bissett offers this example of what feedlot operators need to contemplate. You have to think about everything. The travel paths of the commodity trucks that are delivering your base products. You have to think about the travel paths of the feed trucks as they move from the mill out to the feed bunks. You have to think about how your employees get on and off the premise. Literally every step on and off is important. And kind of a simplistic way to look at it is you want to build a plan, enhanced biosecurity plan, that basically creates a bubble around your operation. You're clean, and you consider everything outside your perimeter dirty. And so you take every step you can to keep your place clean. The Texas A&M Veterinary Emergency Team does provide free assistance to livestock producers who want help putting together emergency management plans for their operations. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The recent rains on the Texas Southern Plains came too late to help the cotton crop very much. But Tom Nicoletti says those rains will help winter wheat planting. We go to the South Plains of uh, Texas now, and Eddie Griffiths is standing by for a report on the crops and the situation with uh, moisture as uh, we are here in the early part of September and uh, mid to late August. Uh, Eddie, uh, you folks got some rain up there for the cotton crop. Yeah, we did, Tom. Some much-needed rainfall in West Texas, unfortunately, the timing of the rainfall, too little, too late for the majority of this crop here in West Texas. But we'll take rain anytime we can get it, you know, for the cotton crop. Where they've been able to keep up with it, with irrigation, definitely good news for those guys. But for the uh, dryland farmers and those with limited irrigation, as I mentioned before, too little, too late. And they are trying to get that, that crop to the end. This ought to be 
an adequate enough rain to get most of those guys to that point. You know, we ranged anywhere from three to six inches in places and with good rainfall, it was pretty much slow in a lot of areas where we could utilize that moisture. And one thing that is definitely utilizing the moisture is the uh, weed crop at this time. So I know producers are trying to take care of that and move on to the next stage of the game. Yes, the winter wheat planting is in the beginning stages now as farmers are preparing or actually getting out there and planting because of the recent rainfall. Yeah, and prior to getting the rain, I know a lot of producers were going pretty hard trying to get a lot of this wheat into the ground. Definitely you see drills in the area. Everybody's got them hooked on tractors ready to go. So as soon as it gets dry enough, get back out in the field and get that crop established. We have good moisture underneath it right now and could get it off to a good start. We just need the moisture to continue. You know, as long as the drought was, it's going to take quite a bit of moisture to build that profile back up. But this is definitely a good start. On the cotton, uh, a lot of acres are going to be uh, abandoned up there on the South Plains and High Plains due to the drought. Definitely lots of acres. And that's another reason why you're seeing lots of wheat drills or planting drills on tractors is because most of that either didn't emerge or what did emerge, there's not really enough out there to provide a good cover crop. So guys are going to get out there and be planting into those abandoned acres and try to uh, get something established to go through the uh, winter and spring months and keep it from blowing away. Thank you, Eddie, for that report. Thank you, Tom. That again is Eddie Griffiths reporting for us today from Lubbock. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The cotton harvest continues in extreme South Texas. Jim Hearn has an update from the Rio Grande Valley. The Valley's cotton harvest is hitting high gear. Eight gins are operating and bale counts are starting to add up now. Now, so far, the Valley has ginned about 66,000 bales, and hopefully the Valley bale count will end up somewhere around 200,000, maybe a little bit more. And again, we have about eight gins operating. Now, as we look at the numbers for the bow weevil this year, Certainly a very positive uh, outlook there. We've caught only 119 weevils for the season. That compares to 868 last year. Even Tamaulipas, Mexico is in good shape. They've uh, caught 371 weevils this year. Last year, it was over 1,700. Well, we've picked about 101,000 bales so far. We've defoliated, but not picked another 74,000. So we still have a ways to go. The Valley Citrus Harvest is just around the corner now. By late September, we'll be picking early oranges. The fruit looks good. It may be a little on the small side because of basically a lack of water. Water continues to be a big problem. Recent rains in the Amistad and Falcon Reservoir system have brought some relief, but not enough. Both reservoirs are still 100-plus feet below conservation, and we still have, well, enough water, hopefully, to finish the citrus and sugarcane season Hopefully, we'll also have enough to get vegetable planting underway. The tropics, well, they're getting a little more active. Another wave that may have an opportunity to bring rain to South Texas down the road. The last two, though, have been sheared apart as they cross the Yucatan Peninsula. This is Jim Hearn in the Rio Grande Valley. If you happen to find a silver or orange band on a dove you bag this season, it's important that you report it to the appropriate organization. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And picking up strays is a noble thing to do, but it could put your other animals at risk. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
parenting is full of surprises. You never know what to expect. So after our son was born, I called my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent to set up a life insurance policy in case something happened to me. Sawyer is now two. And we'll soon have a sister. There's no one else I would trust with protecting my family. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com for an agent you can trust with life's most important decisions. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Picking up stray animals is a very noble thing to do, but Dr. Bob Judd says you need to be careful. You could put your other animals at risk. We need to think about several things before rescuing a stray dog or cat and bringing them into our homes. Isolation is mandatory when bringing in a new pet, as there are concerns about diseases and parasites that can infect your current animals. This situation commonly occurs as we have many clients bring in new pets and find they have intestinal parasites. Depending on the parasite, this can be an expensive problem if you have multiple other dogs or cats that now have also been exposed to the parasite and must be treated, and the treatments could be for three days in a row for several months. It is also labor-intensive to have to treat all your other dogs or cats for a long period. The same goes for infectious diseases such as kennel cough. Most upper respiratory infections like kennel cough are very infectious and can infect all of your other dogs sometimes even if they are vaccinated, depending on the actual cause. So again, treating all your dogs for infection is expensive, time-consuming, and causes stress on your other animals. Another infectious disease especially common in cats is ringworm. And bringing a ringworm-infected cat to your home not only can infect your other animals, but people in the home as well. Two very serious cat diseases are feline leukemia and feline AIDS viral infections, and these diseases are not treatable. So all stray cats should be tested before bringing new cats into your home, especially if you have other cats. So if you find a stray animal, rescuing them is great, but isolate them for at least three weeks and have a veterinary exam before exposing them to your other pets. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. If you find a silver or orange tag on a dove you bag this season, it's important to report it. Jessica Domel tells why in today's Wildlife Report. If you bag a dove this year with a silver or orange band on it, be sure to report the band to the appropriate organization. Owen Fitzsimmons, Webless Migratory Game Bird Program Leader for the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, says the silver bands that you may find on a dove's leg are put there by state or federal officials. We banned morning and white wing doves as part of an annual regulatory program to determine harvest rate and survival and a few other demographics. So it's really important for hunters to report those. Each leg band will have a website on it, www.reportband.gov. So you can just go to that website and put in the band number, the location, your name and stuff, and you'll get to keep the band. The bird banding lab will send you a certificate telling you where the bird was banded, and we'll get that information and we'll be able to use that to better conserve the species. Again, that website to report the silver leg bands is reportband.gov. That is report band.gov. If you bag a Eurasian collared dove with an orange band on it, those are part of a research project hosted by the Texas Dove Hunters Association. 
Bobby Thornton, co-founder of the association, says when hunters report the band numbers and where they were bagged, it helps the association learn more about the invasive species and their habits. We'll be able to tell more about the habitat preferences of these birds, why they're moving, where they're moving, what's driving them to move. We have found already some really, really interesting results. For one, of 3,800 birds, they're all released just within the state of Texas, and we still to date have never had a bird turned in from outside the state. And there's nothing that says it's Texas only on that band, so they don't know till they call. You report the orange bands to the number on the band. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. The cattle complex traded both sides of unchanged on Wednesday. We closed lower on live cattle, higher for the feeder cattle market. We'll check out all of Wednesday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Hi, everybody. This is Kerry Martin with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. You know, every day on the radio, I have to report on how awful everything is in Texas agriculture right now. The heat, the drought, the markets. I just can't imagine how this is making you feel as a Texas farmer or rancher. Well, if it's getting to you, I want to ask you to give some friends of mine a call. It's called the Texas Agri-Stress Helpline. Here's the number, 833-897-2474, 833-897-2474. Farmers and ranchers are some of the toughest people on earth, but hey, we all need help sometimes. If you just need somebody to talk to in these tough times, give them a call, 833-897-2474, or if you can't write it down, go to Farm Life Help. Dot com. Do me a favor, don't wait. Call them today. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle complex went in different directions in Wednesday's trade. We ended up closing lower on the live cattle market, higher on feeder cattle. October live cattle dropped 45 cents, close at 144.35. December down 40 at 150.05. February down 25 cents, 154.47. But we saw gains across the board in the feeder cattle trade. September feeder cattle up 52 cents, 179.97. The October up 90, 181.42. With November feeder cattle up 62 cents at 182.97. Cash fed cattle trade still very quiet for the week. No sales to report here in Texas. Up north, we saw some dressed sales in Nebraska reported at 228. That's a buck higher compared to last week. The online Fed Cattle Exchange sold on Wednesday, however, no sales to report. The bids were at 141. The asking price is mainly 144 to 145. Boxed beef prices lower on Wednesday. Choice down 246 at 254.20. Select down 277 at 230.81. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. 
Riley Road sold cattle in Three Rivers on Monday. Riley, how'd it go? Ended up with 1,401 head. The stocker cows we had, uh, rain we've had in the area, the, they picked up quite a bit. Uh, had some pretty decent pairs today. Brought from the better end, 1,350 up to 1,800. Uh, some kind of middle-aged ones brought from 950 to 1,350. Red cows didn't have as many of those. They brought anywhere from 875 to 1,275. Uh, the packer cows and bulls were steady to maybe just a tick lower than what they were before Labor Day. 84 to 92 on your high-yielding cows. 78 to 88 on your breakers. 36 to 60 on your canners. Uh, bull market, uh, high yielding bulls 104 to 110, low to medium 86 to 104. Uh, lightweight calves, still a lot of activity there, lots of demand. Uh, two to three weight choice steers 196 to 220. Heifer mates 176 to 194. Three to four weight choice steers 186 to 218. Heifer mates 172 to 188. Four to five weight choice steers 186 to 208. Heifer mates 170 to 186. Five to six weight choice steers 178 to 198. Heifer mates 162 to 178. Uh, the bigger cattle uh, kind of sold steady with what it was before Labor Day, maybe a little bit higher. Uh, some good steers today weighing 6 to 700. The choice steers, 162 to 174. The heifer mates, 148 to 166. And the 7 to 8 weight cattle, your choice steers, 150 to 164. And the heifer mates, 140 to 152. So pleased with the sale today. I uh, got along good. Uh, had lots of buyers and uh, uh, lots of lots of interest and lots of activity. So uh, hopefully it'll it'll keep up for us. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you for next Monday's sale in Three Rivers. 361-786-2553 is the office. 361-813-6650 is the sale. Uh, com is a web. And we will We'll have another group of those uh, those uh, stalker cows this coming week. Uh, the pairs off of one of the big bunches, uh, you know, that we had today. We sold the breads, and we'll have the pairs here next week. So come see us if you need some. That's Riley Rhodes, Live Oak Livestock, Three Rivers. I'm Larry Marble. This is Walking the Pens, Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Good day. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now where lean hogs close lower Wednesday. October hogs dropped a dollar five ninety four seventy. December hogs down 40 cents at 85.30. Class 3 milk was mixed. The nearby September down 11 cents at 1982 100 weight. October milk up 2 at 2163 100. The cotton market closed slightly higher after trading a very tight range throughout the day on Wednesday. Cotton traders keeping an eye on the Dow and the U.S. dollar after that big meltdown we saw on Tuesday in the Dow. We close with December cotton up 39 points, 102.71. March cotton up 57, 99.58. December 23 cotton up 96 at 83.19. Not a lot of direction in the corn market, but we finished mostly lower, especially on the heavily traded December contract. It was down 10 and a half, 682 and a quarter. New crop September 23 corn down six and a half at 639 and three quarters. The wheat market got a boost from the weather forecast. As we are starting to put this new wheat crop in the ground, traders paying more and more attention to the weather. And, of course, the weather forecast for the western, southwest, and southern plains hard red winter wheat areas show continued hot and dry weather this coming week. That gave us a bit of a boost in the wheat trade. New crop July, Kansas City wheat up 8 cents, 9.31 a bushel. July, Chicago wheat up 10 and a quarter at 8.90 and a quarter. In the energy markets, October natural gas was up 80 cents, 9.08. October crude oil up $1.10 at 88.41 a barrel. The financial markets were mixed Wednesday afternoon. The Dow down 146 points at 30,958. The Nasdaq up 5, 11,639. The S&P down 10 at 3,922. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A, Texas agriculture.
Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.